When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him all authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is the eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world." Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Let's pray. Holy Father, righteous Father, we thank you for how good you are. We thank you that you sent Jesus on the mission that he came and completed here on this earth. And we thank you that the mission you gave him was that we might have eternal life. I pray for this morning. I pray for our time. I pray for anyone here um, that does not yet have that life, that eternal life, that they would come to know it this morning. And I pray for all of us who do. I, I pray that we would be challenged that this life is not something to grasp onto, but to, to give out in the same way that your son Jesus came to give it. I pray that you would speak through me. Um, I pray your Holy Spirit would be moving here. Um, And we thank you for how good you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
So that's my baby. Yeah. Um, if you have any, like, awe or anything, get it out now. I'm going to show a picture of her later in a way different context. Okay? And so this is the cute, fun picture so that when I show her again, you guys are engaged and not like, oh, the baby. But um, so, so two important things before we go anywhere further. Um, last year, I became aware for the first time of how miserable the, the first weekend of November Daylight Savings is for nurses. Um, I'd never thought about it before, and a nurse mentioned, man, it's the worst night, because if it's busy that night, there's an extra hour, and you're just stuck here. And last year, I was like, there could be nothing worse than that, to have that, like, because for me, that's always been a night of sleep, right? Like, like most of you hopefully enjoyed an extra hour of sleep last night. I enjoyed an extra hour of her last night. Um, and so this year, um, for the first time in my life, a- as long as I can remember, I just didn't get to sleep, <laughs> and, and it was sad. I got some sleep. I also got thrown up on. Uh, I also, uh, it was wonderful. Um, when I was working on sermon prep last night, just kind of re-going over my notes, I was kind of saying things out loud, practicing, and all of a sudden, I don't know if the sermon's bad, but in the middle of me practicing, she just vomited all over me. So um, I don't think it can get worse than that. Um, but, but the other thing, and this is for anyone who does not have children yet, um, the second night in the hospital, um, they, the nurses gave us a sheet that just explained to us how bad night two is in the hospital once the baby is born, because the baby is like, why am I not in the womb? And they say it's like the worst night you'll have with the baby, and it might be, I don't know, I mean, we've got a low bar set right now, but, um, but, but I tell you this because I was told, well, you're never told that until you have the kid, it's like a rite of passage, and I'm like, no, I'm breaking that barrier down. So if you haven't had kids yet, just know the second night after they're born, they're going to be wondering and feel betrayed that they're not still in a womb, and you're not going to sleep then either. So, so I just I want to make sure that's communicated out. Um, having a baby is wonderful. Um, Lucy is so amazing. Um, I'm super tired today, but like I'm so full of joy, um, and I'm so excited. Um, I'll talk about her in a little while, but, but as we start today, I just want to make sure I show pictures of her, because I don't, I don't show enough pictures of her, and I've been, my mom's in town, and I've been hearing about, my, there's all these picture opportunities, where are those pictures, so, yeah, so this morning, um, what we just listened to, what I read um, before Lucy, um, was John 17, and the question we're going to look to answer today, uh, this was the prayer of Jesus kind of ending a very long conversation. And, and, and the question we're going to answer today as we look at this prayer of Jesus is, what is the evidence that someone has the eternal life that Jesus came to give? Eternal life is a theme in the book of John. Um, one of the most famous Bible verses for God so love, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have eternal life life. Um, that phrase, eternal life, shows up all over the place in the book of John, and it, it shows up over and over and over leading up to John 17, where Jesus defines eternal life. And the author, John, up until this point, has not defined eternal life. And what's, what's really interesting here is I keep saying eternal life, and eternal life doesn't seem like it needs to be defined, right? It, it's life that lasts eternally, or like some type of eternal existence. Well, there's a problem with that. In the book of John, eternal life does not mean living forever. 
doesn't mean living forever. Um, and, and the reason that we know this is because if we read throughout the Bible, um, and especially in the book of John, the idea of like living or existing forever is common. Everyone will live forever based on the Bible. I mean, we'll, we'll die in this life, but then our existence, we were created with eternity in mind. Everyone will live forever. The, the point of eternal life, as we're going to see, is what type of quality will your eternity be? That, that's what we're going to be looking at, and that is what eternal life is in the book of John. And so we're going to look at that, and we're going to look very deeply at that. And I, I hope by the end of today, when you hear John 3.16, you don't think, well, I get to live forever. You think about something much more amazing than that. Although living forever does sound nice, but we're going deeper than that. So we're going to start. Uh, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, and we have to pause before we even go one step further. When it says when Jesus had spoken these words, it's referring to something he just said. And what did he just say to his disciples? I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. When Jesus said, I have overcome the world, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said. And, and I, I, I want to tell you, uh, we've been in the last, we've been in John for a while, but the last two weeks, Tim has preached out of, I think, John 13 and 14. It has been a blur. Our baby is two weeks old, so I can't remember. I'm sorry. But um, we have been in the book of John, and starting in John 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. The, the 12 are there, and then Judas leaves, and the 11 are there. And Jesus, starting in John 13, has a conversation that stretches through the end of John 17. And this same conversation is the conversation when we celebrate communion. This is the same meal where that was instituted, where Jesus did that with them. It, it's that same time. It's also the time where Jesus told his disciples, one of you will betray me. It's also the time Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me. It's also the time where Jesus told the disciples, I'm leaving and where I go, you're not going to be able to follow but it's better for you that I go. And he promised them the Holy Spirit. But in that same context, that this is the culmination of this Last Supper meal. And John is only 21 chapters, and five chapters of John are centered around this last conversation between Jesus and his disciples before he goes to the cross. So he, John really wants us to focus here. And what's happening in this passage is Jesus is handing off his ministry. So when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to, the heaven, or to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. All through the book of John up till this point, he says the hour is coming and is now here. And now the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Um, a really interesting thing, Jesus is talking in the third person here. That's like if I were to say, Matt was preaching from the stage. That, that's what Jesus is doing here. And as he talks in the third person, what he's doing in the first three verses is he is outlining his mission. And what is his mission? As he comes in, he says, Father, glorify your son, that the son may glorify you. And the mission that you have sent him on you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. That is the mission that Jesus is on. It's to give eternal life. And what's important here when we think big picture, Jesus already had eternal life. He was up in heaven before the foundations of the earth. 
He was up in heaven before creation, as Bethany read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it goes on to all things were created through him and in him. That, that's Jesus. He did not need to come for him to have eternal life, but he came with the authority God gave him to give eternal life to us. And then he defines it. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And what's interesting here, the word know. John has mentioned eternal life over and over, but this time when he mentions it, he defines it. Jesus defines it in this prayer. And when that word know is a very unique word in the Greek. And it's this word, it's not a unique word on its own, but the way it's used here, it's gnosko. And in translating gnosko in John 17.3, it is important to avoid an expression which will mean merely to learn about. This is not just head knowledge. This is not learning math. Here the emphasis must be put on the interpersonal relationship which is experienced. Eternal life is not about I know who God is. Eternal life is that they know they have a relational connection. They have experienced a relationship with the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is the mission that Jesus came to give. That is the eternal life that he offers. And what's interesting It's the eternal life does not start at death. The eternal life does not start at death because Jesus talks through this book. There are people in this book that Jesus says they have eternal life. If you remember when we read the story of the woman at the well, we see evidence that the eternal life is in her already. She has that experience with Jesus. She, in that moment, knows God. And her whole village comes out and they recognize that Jesus is the Savior of the world. They have this encounter with the Son of God and out of it they come away relationally knowing God. And that is the desire of the book of John. It's not just that at the end of the day you'll say, yeah, I believe that. I think that's true. It's that we will come away changed because we have a relationship with God. We will have the eternal life we will have will be based on an experience-based relationship. We we will not have just a, yeah, I I know who he is. We will have a, like it's, we'll talk to him. We'll be involved with him. And, And Jesus, when he came, you have to think about this. Before Jesus came, eternal life was not something even possible for humanity. Because what's about to happen, and spoiler alert for next week's sermon, Jesus is about to go to the cross. And he's about to die and then be resurrected. But, but before that happens, Jesus is telling the disciples, eternal life is here. And he's praying to God and he's praying that they would have the eternal life that comes from knowing the only true God. And that is an eternal life that since everyone exists forever, uh, this is about how we will exist forever. And, and Jesus' desire is that we would exist forever knowing in relationship with the only true God. That is the desire of Jesus. That is the mission that he was on, that people would know God through him and know him that God had sent. After this, Jesus switches to the first person and he says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Now, a couple quick things here. First off, when he says, I glorified you on earth, remember it started, glorify the Son so the Son can glorify the Father. Jesus here is saying, I have finished my mission. In those first three verses where he's talking in the third person, he's outlining the mission. And now he's saying, God, I I finished the mission. And even as he says finish the mission, he's finishing the mission right now. But the idea is, Father, we're at the point. I'm about to go to the cross and I'm handing over 
the eternal life. I'm handing over this mission to these disciples in front of me, and I've accomplished, Jesus says, I've accomplished the work that you gave me to do. What an amazing thing. He came to give eternal life, and he has accomplished that work. And, and on top of that, when it says, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. When it says, with the glory that I had with you before the world existed, there's an implication here. He's being restored to glory. When the word became flesh and dwelt among us, when Jesus came, he forfeited his glory in a way. He became human. He was still fully God, but he took on the mantle of humanity so that we could have eternal life. And he made himself less. He made, he made himself what we needed in order to know God in a relational way so that we could have eternal life. Jesus made himself less than he was before creation so that we could have a relationship with him. And I think that is so amazing. And the word the world here, um, the, this phrase, the world, shows up so many times. It's so confusing in this prayer. And so I want to tell you, in, in John 17, the world can mean the created earth. When Jesus says here that I had with you before the world existed, he's talking about all things were created through Jesus before the world existed. And, and so the world, the created earth. That's one option. We're going to keep reading, and as we go, I'm going to try and outline all the different options because it'll hit home by the end. Jesus goes on to say, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. And when it says manifest, it means I have made known the idea of, I have revealed to them. They, they know your name. They know who you are, Jesus, because I, or who you are, God, the only true God, because I have made you known to them. And when it says to the people whom you gave me out of the world, the people there are the 11 disciples sitting around a table with Jesus. It's going to extend to us, but it starts off, he's sitting around a table with these 11 men. He's washed their feet. They've had this whole conversation. Parts of the conversation, it seems like they're tracking with him, and then they say something like, what? And then he has to re-explain, and at the end of the conversation, they're still not quite there, but they're about to be. And, and Jesus says, you gave them to me out of the world, and what he means is out of the people of the world, these 11 you have given to me to pass the ministry on to. I got to go back. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word goes on, now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. What I think is so interesting when you read Jesus' final prayer is Jesus is fully God and fully man, and he is on the earth so that we might have eternal life. And what we learn in this is that Jesus, through his whole mission, Everything that he does on this earth, when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, everything that he did, he was subject, he submitted himself to the Father. It, it says, they know that everything that you have given me is from you, that you sent me, that, that, I, that I came from you. Jesus, in this whole prayer, points to everything that he has, everything that he offers comes from God the Father, and he wants them to know that. He wants us to know that Jesus did not come here on his own mission, and then God was like, all right, now I have to accept them. God so loved the world that he sent his son so that people could have that eternal life. And so Jesus is operating and he is giving us an example. Jesus on his mission is perfectly under the authority of God. Jesus goes on, I am praying for them, the 11 disciples here. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. 
Jesus here goes from, he starts off praying to God, and then in starting around verse 6, he starts to pray for the disciples around the table with him. And, and he says, but, but, but they're yours, Father. They're not just mine. And when it says world here, it's talking about those without eternal life. It's talking about those who are not a part of the eternal life Jesus offers. And Jesus is not saying, no, 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 it's, they can't have it. He's just saying they're those that don't have it right now. But these 11 do. You've given them to me out of the world, and they are yours, and they are mine. Jesus goes on, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Now, the world here, again, and I I just keep pointing out the world because I think it gets uh, confusing, because here Jesus goes from talking about those without eternal life to now he's talking about the physical geographical location the world. And you may be confused here because Jesus says, I'm no longer in the world, but he's sitting at a table with them. But he's talking about what's about to happen. Because Jesus has told the disciples, I'm about to leave. But when I leave, I'm going to send you a helper. And as he says that, he also, and he says, I'm coming to you, Holy Father. And, and the word holy here, we just have to pause for a moment. It'll make, it's such an amazing word. John does not use the word holy very often. He does call the, the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit, but calling God holy is very rare in the book of John. John does use it a whole lot in the book of Revelation, same author, but, but in the book of John, he, the Holy Father is very unique here. But, but when we see the word holy, holy is the idea of perfection. And like in the same way that the sun, like if, if we were to build a spaceship and fly it to the sun, as we got close to the sun, we would just burn up because we could never exist in the, I'm talking about the, the sun in the sky. I realize we said sun, Jesus. Elsa, it gets confusing. But sorry, I'm tired. But um, so point here being as Jesus, Jesus calls God the Holy Father, the Holy Father, because God is perfectly holy, since Genesis 3 when humanity sinned, we cannot be fully in the presence of God. Because of our sin, God who is perfect and perfectly holy, for us to enter his presence, we can no longer do because of our sin. And, and so Jesus here reminds us of the Holy Father. Keep them in your name. And, and, and we're going to see why he says that. But um, we go on. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. And I have not not one of and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled that refers to Judas but Jesus talks about I have kept them and now he if you read in that last verse he's handing them off to God again he's saying father I have been their shepherd but now as I leave the earth I'm giving them back to you and we're going to see the holy spirit involved in that if we keep reading in John but but Jesus goes on but now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. So the world, again, the world just shows up all over the place. And Jesus is talking about, I, I speak lo- like located next to them. But then as we go on, when it talks about the world has hated them, well, the, the world rejects Jesus and the world here are, are, are those without eternal life again. But, but the promise here is that the disciples who have become, uh, they have eternal life in Jesus. Jesus has given them that eternal life. They are no longer of the world. They are now of what Jesus is of, just as I am not of the world. They're not, they're not of the world anymore. They're going to be in the world, 
but they're no longer of the world. And, and his desire in this prayer is that they will have joy fulfilled in themselves because what's going to happen, and, and we're, again, we're going to see this next week more, is when, when Jesus goes to the cross, his disciples scatter. They flee. They go back to who they were before at first until Jesus is resurrected and that next interaction and then the Holy Spirit. But, but what, what happens is that Jesus, even as he prays this, he knows they're about to leave him. He, know when he knows when he approaches the cross, he does so alone. And he still prays for them and prays for who they will be after the resurrection and the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes on, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. His prayer here, and, and we see this earlier in the, in the talk, he tells them, I'm leaving, but you're staying. But it's better that way because he wants them to be those who are going to continue the mission that he has been doing. Jesus, one man who is fully God and fully man, is starting to hand off the ministry to them. He goes on, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So God sent Jesus, and now Jesus, sitting with these 11 men, is sending them. Do you see? And, and he's, as you sent me into the world, the same thing that you did with me, I'm doing with them. They have eternal life now. They are ready for this mission, or they will be on the other side of the resurrection. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Now, remember earlier we talked about Holy Father. The word holy, uh, or the word sanctify and consecrate, and sanctified here all mean to make holy. It's actually one Greek word, we just like translating it a bunch of different ways. But, but the, the idea here is Jesus is saying, make them holy. Make them holy. He's, he's saying, holy father, they're no longer of this world, but for them to be of your world, they need to be holy or else they won't be able to be a part of your world. But they know you. They have eternal life. And Jesus is talking about what's going to happen when his blood is shed on the cross. They are going to be made holy so that they are able to be a part of eternal life the way God intended, that, that they would have relationship with him for all eternity. And so Jesus, what he's doing when he says, I consecrate myself, Jesus is already holy, but the act that he is going to take on the cross is going to make it so that we all can be holy, be made holy and sanctified in the truth. We can follow after God. We can have that relationship with him. At this point, Jesus goes on, and, and this, is, this is my favorite part of this. Um, Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So, so pause here for a moment. Um, if you today are a believer in Christ, if you have eternal life, if you have a relationship with God, the only true God and his son, Jesus Christ, whom he sent, if you have that, then today you are an answer to a prayer request almost 2,000 years old. I think that's really cool. And if, if that's true, it also means that, that the disciples that Jesus handed the mission off to, those 11 men, that right after he hands the mission off to them, they scatter. <laughs> the, those 11 men eventually become the foundation of the, the, the church that, that we are believers today because when Jesus prayed in John 17 and in the ministry Jesus did, when he passed that ministry off to those 11 men, they were, or he was so effective in what he gave them, the eternal life that he gave them with, with the Holy Spirit and with everything that he did, that today we still believe because of the work of Jesus that lasted only three years to start. I think that is so amazing. The reason I am a believer, there's a chain somewhere that eventually originates back to Jesus and one of those 11 men. That's really cool. I, I don't know. I'm, 
I, I love that. I, I just, I, that makes me so excited when I read that because Jesus knew even before the cross, he was ready for this moment to pass this ministry off because he knew, I'm sending them a helper. They're going to be able to do this ministry. This ministry is going to continue. Jesus' desire, when God so loved the world that he sent his son, his desire was that people would have eternal life and it would not just be these 11 men, but that they would keep passing it on. And Jesus was very effective. And so we can have eternal life today because of that ministry. His pr- yeah, <laughs> Yay. Uh, Jesus goes on that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the world, those without eternal life, that's what it, that's, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it means here. But, but what happens as we come back to this is when Jesus hands the mission off to the disciples, he hands it off to them that they would be the ones going and through their word of telling people about Jesus so that people can come to have a, not, not, like a relationship with God that the world would believe. His desire is not just for one or two people. His desire is that the world may believe. Even as the world hates him, we see that in the prologue and the world did not receive him. They hated him, but even in that hate, the desire is that the world may believe that God had sent Jesus. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me. That they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Jesus' ministry as he hands it off to the disciples, his desire is not just for these 11 men, but all humanity in the future that will respond Jesus goes on, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. The, the promise here, his desire, what, what Jesus desires and it, what he desires he will get because he's fully cut, so he's got all power, but his desire and the promise here, the eternal life that we're offered here, his desire is that we will get to be with him where he goes. Someday, and, and so that's the promise of, of, of a new earth and a new heaven in Revelation, that the idea that we will be with God in relationship forever. That's the, the quality of eternal life. Jesus' desire is that we would be with him for eternity. And even as he says that, he reminds us that long before creation, Jesus was experiencing this love, and he wants us to experience that same love. As we close, the final verses, Jesus says, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. As Jesus closes out the prayer, um, he, the, again, just this theme of know, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and, I, and these know that you have sent me. Jesus' desire, he has made God known to them. And his desire is that God will continue to be made known to the world, that, that we would come to have this eternal life and that it would spread out. Um, and people would understand that, that they, the love that which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus' desire is that that eternal life would spread and not just be located in a few people, but would just continue spreading. So, so as we come to the end of this, um, I'm going to I'm going to use imagery that made sense to me. I was talking to a buddy about this passage. Um, and if this doesn't make sense, I'm sorry. I'm, again, I'm on no sleep. Um, but um, the, the imagery that, that came to mind as we were talking was the imagery of hot potato. Um, and if you've never played hot potato, 
I mean, I, just, I don't know if anyone plays that anymore. I'd like to think people still play it. Um, no one plays it with hot potatoes, though. We have, like, digital things that if you're the one holding it, it beeps on you. But, but imagine playing hot potato with, like, a scalding hot potato, and you're just passing it person to person. The idea of eternal life that Jesus gives is the idea of hot potato. It's, it's something that when you get it, okay, I know what it is now. I, I have a relationship with God, and then you pass it on. Um, but, but the problem is, is that some people think that eternal life is something to be snatched and taken. And so rather than pass on what, what is supposed to be passed on, I, uh, there, there's a reality that, that sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we hold that eternal life tightly. We, we want that relationship with God, but we don't recognize Jesus had a perfect relationship with God in heaven. He could have just said, after Adam and Eve sinned, like, God didn't need to make a promise that someday one would come who would put an end to that. Jesus could have, and God just could have been like, all right, let's restart. They, they could have done that. They didn't do that, though. But, but the, the, the point is, is that when Jesus came, he already fully had eternal life. In coming, he subjected himself to physical death, something he never needed to do. But he did that because he desired that others would know God, would have a relationship with God, would, would be what we were created to be in the first place in relationship with God. And so that was Jesus' desire. And so when he came, his desire was to give eternal life to those who would give eternal life to others. Not that I personally can give someone eternal life, but that through my word, through your word, through all of our word, more and more people would come to know this. My, my parents are in town, and uh, last night, um, it, such a random conversation, um, my dad and I were driving to Lumanati's to get pizza, and we just started talking about people from our past, and I found out that, like, um, the, that somebody, somebody that I had known that my dad had known, I, I didn't know he was a strong believer and he actually like discipled my dad for a long time. And he had recently passed away and we were talking and all of a sudden I was like, I, I thought he was just like a coworker. And my dad was like, no, he's, and he started telling me about what this man did for him and how he helped him grow. And just all of a sudden, my, my dad and mom and me and Jess were just talking about like influential Christians in our lives and, and specifically those who led us to Christ. And my mom was the one who led me to Christ. There's all these seeds that were planted, but I remember the moment when I, like, I just believe that's the moment when I had eternal life. I, I had a relationship with God and it was just a baby relationship, but it was the start of that relationship with God. And that, that is the the goal, right? Uh, if we have the eternal life, we need to then turn around and try and pass that on. Oh, no. I have a picture of Lucy, so. No, don't say awe. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I like telling people what to do from the pulpit. Um, so this is Lucy last night, um, and, and I took this picture. Um, I made her hand. She's not really praying. She can't talk yet, so she can't pray. Um, but, but I want to tell you this morning, I, I, I've been working on this sermon kind of off and on for like three or four weeks because I figured before we had her, like, oh, I'll get a jump on it. And then we had her and like, like how do you sleep? But um, when we had Lucy, um, I was in the room. I actually helped catch her, which was really cool. I, it's intense, but it was really cool. And just being a part of seeing this baby come into the world was so amazing. And then within like an hour, Jess and I, you know, you do like the skin to skin and all that stuff. Um, and um, also for anyone who hasn't had children, babies look really gross coming out. But they're super cute as soon as they towel them off. Um, you just all, and umbilical cords look way different than you'd think. Um, I got to just, 
<laughs> I just got to get that out of the way because I'm picturing it. But when, and so I'm joking now, but, but now I'm going to be really serious. The eternal life that has been passed to me, that, that, that I want to pass to others, there is no deeper desire in my life than that she has that eternal life. But there's also a reality that I cannot make her have that eternal life. I can put her hands together and take a cute picture. I did that right before we prayed for the meal, and I was like, oh, she's praying. And then I was like, I can't make, I mean, I can make her pray when she's a kid. We're not going to eat until you pray. But I, I, I can't make her know God and have a relationship with God on my own. I can model it as well as I can for her. That's what I can do. I can live a life that is a testimony of that, that I can show her what it looks like to have eternal life, what it looks like to have a relationship with God in a way that hopefully when she sees what I have and sees the love that I have, that, that hopefully she would desire to have the same thing. And hopefully the Lord, Lord would draw her in and w- would draw her close and hopefully she would respond to that, to the Holy Spirit. I, I can hope and pray for that. But I also want to tell you as I think about this, one of the most important things that I can do in my life is not just modeling it for her, but modeling it consistently everywhere. Because if I want her to follow in what Jess and I hold as the highest value, eternal life and knowing and having a relationship with God, what that means is for Jess and I, we need to show that to each and every person we meet so that Lucy sees us not just with her doing that, but she sees that this value is something that consistently we live to and we hold this ideal highest. Because we want her to see that in each and every place in our life. And and, and so as I hold her, I I pray earnestly that she would come to know God, but I also pray that I would model it well. And I don't just pray that I would model it well for her, but that I would consistently model it everywhere so that others, I, I will be a part of that chain of people playing hot potato with eternal life so that people would come to know God and have a relationship with him in the same way that I was blessed to because 11 men sitting around a table with one man started to spread it around. If you're here today and you do not have eternal life, if, if you're like, I, I, I'm hearing this for the first time, or if you're like, I don't know what it means to have eternal life, even after hearing all that, I have questions. Um, I want to encourage you. I'm going to be standing somewhere. I'm going to be standing out there, but I, if you want to talk, we, we don't have to stand in the atrium where everyone can hear, but I'd love to answer any questions you have. Um, I, I would encourage you, one of the most amazing things about this is when Jesus came, no one deserved the eternal life that he offered but he offered it anyways. And so no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, this eternal life is a gift that Jesus desires each and every. God so loved the world, all the people without eternal life. He desired that we would come to know him and have that relationship with him. And if you don't have that, I'd encourage you, come talk to me after. I'd love to share more with you. That eternal life is open to you. You're, you're going to live forever in a, in a fashion. You're going to exist forever. Why not have that knowledge of God and that eternal life the way he describes because that is what we should desire let's pray lord we thank you for this day Um, lord we thank you for the amazing gift that is your eternal life that we can know and have a relationship with you we thank you god that that you sent your son and he so effectively gave eternal life that we today can have that eternal life because he passed it on to the 11 who passed it on who passed it on we thank you for the way your Holy Spirit works in us and through us in order that we might have it and we might share it with others. Um, we, would pray, we, would, we pray we would not be people that, that hold it tightly, but instead we would be people that live inside of it and try and help others know it 
that we would follow Jesus' example, who didn't need to give it to any of us, but desired to give it to us. And in the way that he gave it to us, he wants us to give it to others. I pray we'd be a part of that. I pray for anyone here who does not yet have it or who desires to have it, that they would not leave today without stepping forward and, and receiving it. I, I pray that they, you would just prompt them. I pray we'd be able to just talk about that. I, I thank you that you offer it to anyone and everyone that draws near to you. I pray you would draw anyone here who doesn't know you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.